Formula 3 returned to action this weekend in the hills of Styria as the cars ventured around the mountains to the sound of wonderful, wonderful engine noise. And we had some thrilling racing going on up and down the field and we also had a lot of controversy throughout. I'm Craig Willard and I'm here to discuss all things FI Formula 3 at Red Bull Ring, W Series at Red Bull Ring and Road to Indy at a number of circuits as we bring up today on that along with Bethany Waring and Alejandro Alonso Lopez. So I think we're going to head straight into to FI Formula 3 and we had three absolutely scintillating races uh, this weekend and really the, the man of the weekend was Dennis Hauger um, of Prima Racing who pulled off a pretty remarkable feat um, by taking pole position in race one um, after Alpine junior Kyle Collette was uh, denied due to tra track limits at the, the dying moments of the session, well, after the, the session had ended, really, before, before the qualifying report had been filed, he had uh, lost his pole position. Um, and Ollie Caldwell also featured towards the top in the second Primer, and in that first race, he kept behind Hauger throughout. Well, Hauger leapfrog him and was able to come from a remarkable 12th place on the grid to take victory ahead of Caldwell. Whilst Logan Sargent was set to take his first Shuri's Racing System podium um, after a collision between Clemon Novlak and Matteo Nanini only to be one of 11 drivers to receive a penalty or a disqualification in that particular race. Sargent ended up dropping well down the order, and that meant that Jack Doohan took his or took a podium finish, whilst uh, Enzo Fittipaldi round well was uh, was fourth place, which I'm sure that Bethany will be absolutely thrilled with. Um, we'll cover off the other two races as well quickly. Um, the, the raft of penalties meant that we were going to have, um, I think it was possibly Johnny Edgar on pole for, for race two. And then when Ayuma Owasa was excluded from the race, I put Frederick Vesti on pole. And then when the raft of penalties came through just minutes before race two started, David Schumacher was on pole and he converted brilliantly to his first Formula 3 win and his first podium as well. Uh, Frederick Vesti, um, who was painfully close to snatching pole position from Halger, climbed up the order to take second place ahead of Halger himself, who climbed up another 10 spots in addition to the 11 spots he claimed, climbed in the first race um, to take third. Arthur the Clerk had a DRS failure in the first race and climbed all the way up the order to P6, which is quite spectacular, whilst Roman Stanek picked up his best Formula 3 finish with fourth. Um, one interesting moment in that race was Caelan Frederick um, having a collision with Juan Manuel Carrera, which uh, broke the broke a, I think it was a, a wrist. He had a dislocated, fractured thumb. Was that Frederick? I think that was it. Yes, thank you. Um, he had a collision with Juan Manuel Carrera and had to pull out. Um, so into the third race, we had Frederick Vesti brilliantly beating uh, Helga to the win there. Um, with a with an early overtake to take the lead, um, it was uh, one of those pretty pretty well symbolic of Formula Three uh, contemporary Formula Three ART versus Prima thrillers. Um, 
with Ollie Caldwell and Alexander Smolia not far behind. Um, Helga felt that he could have won the race if not for a late virtual safety car for a collision between the two Jacks, Stewart and Crawford. And um, there was a massive accident involving Victor Martin and Arden the Clerk, in which Clement Novelac was collected. The clerk was taken to hospital, um, but with no major injuries, whilst Novelak limped away from, from the collision. So, guys, I think the first point of topic has to be Dennis Hauger, who had a, a very interesting weekend, a very successful weekend, a little bit stressful as well, as he was under investigation for an illegal plank, um, a plank that had been declared for his teammate's car, but was later applied to his car. Um, and so, so Bethany, I'm going to come to you first, um, three podiums from a single weekend, obviously the most that a driver has ever taken in, in this championship and it's current guys because of the increased number of races, obviously. Um, so how impressed were you with, with Dennis's weekend? Yeah, he's, he's really good. And I think it's. A testament of the way this format is, is that you can't, but obviously you can stand up, sit at the front and then run away with it like we saw Schumacher do in race two. But you're not going to win the championship by doing that because you can only do that one race a weekend. The other races you're going to be, if you win, you start at the front in one race and you're going to be starting at least another race in P12. And you've got to know how to climb up through the field. And Hauga did that incredibly well. Yeah, certainly. And just to clarify on the on the plank issue, uh, he was fined seven and a half thousand euros, which is pretty much peanuts to to him and a team like Prima. Um, but he which is a his... it's a very good penalty for administration things. You wouldn't want to see, for example, a race winner get disqualified for an, an administration error. What FIA championship would ever do something like that? That sounds very. Um electrifying that one um anyway alejandro coming to you um what did you make of, of Hauger's weekend you were able to obviously dip in and out of of watching formula three whilst you were you were traveling this weekend we were chatting before recording um but it was certainly a very very strong uh total weekend from from the young norwegian yes definitely tennis has, has made a huge step a step forward since last year and he's proving his talent definitely we are seeing the the venice that we saw in the past in formula four championships and yet yeah, as my colleague commented previously we saw him coming through the field which is something very very important to do in this in this new format because we've seen in the previous events that Frederick Besti has struggled a lot when he had to start from, from the back. I mean, top 10, not, not at the front. So yeah, he's been determined and he was really on it this weekend. Yeah, certainly. Um, I, I totally agree. And I was very, very impressed generally with with Hauger's um 
sort of just approached the weekend and the way how he handled himself during the the many press conferences he had to sit in the poor guy um obviously had to sit in every single one because he qualified in the top three and finished each each race in the top three so i'm I'm pretty sure he's sick of seeing my face now um but yeah it was just very sort of calm very relaxed um and was very very just very strong this weekend very ominous in in a lot of ways um to the point where you, you sort of draw comparisons to to the previous couple of years with with how strong Prima have been, um, and it it doesn't necessarily tend you know we're not quite seeing it from from Caldwell and Leclerc in in the same way. So I I'm kind of thinking that perhaps Prima's advantage isn't quite as strong as. Uh, as some people were making it out to be or how it was in in previous couple of years so I, I do think that a lot of it is just down to Helga being absolutely brilliant absolutely methodical and just completely clinical when it comes to, to pulling off overtakes with the exception of Barcelona race two but that's his one mistake so far this season that's his one off off race so far out of nine and the rest of the time has been absolutely brilliant um I do think we should talk about uh, Fred Vesti as well, uh, young Mercedes junior. Um, I thought he had generally a really strong weekend overall, and I thought the way how he executed the the, the third race, the main race, was was stunning um, to, to beat Halga on a weekend where Halga looked unbeatable. Um, I, I thought was, was certainly worthy of uh, of applause as well. Um, so, Alandra, I'll come to you first. Um, I don't know whether you caught the, the third race or not, but uh, how how did you rate Vesti's weekend? And is he very much now the big challenger to, to Halger at this point of the season, do you think? Yes, definitely. He was actually my favourite coming into the season and then after round one and round two, which were a bit complicated let's say for him he just had a, a good weekend a solid weekend with two podiums one of them a win so i think he's now sitting second in the standings like 40 points behind Hogar, but i think he can challenge him if he goes forward with that trend going going up I think he will pretty much challenge Hogger till the end of the season. Yeah, and obviously Vesti's uh, got a lot of experience with with winning in in FI Formula Three. Took three wins last year, um, and this weekend he took his fourth win in the championship. Um, Bethany, do you do you see Vesti as being Hogger's best challenger at this point of the season, or do you think that the championship is still so close in a lot of places that other drivers will be able to, to come back into the mix. Yeah, I don't think we can really rule out anybody else at the moment, but Vessi has been um, Helga's top challenger in, in recent, uh, at least in the last last round, that last race was brilliant from him to, he, he didn't just have um, Vess, he didn't just have Helga he was challenging, but Smolia was right there as well. So, 
there was a lot of pressure and he handled it well with safety cars and drivers going off and making sure he didn't go over the lines and things like that. It went really well, but I do expect that we'll have other players coming into it later on. Caldwell has done well um, climbing up. Like you said, he's not quite, didn't quite have, hasn't quite had what Hauger's had, but will certainly be in the mix. I think Leclerc, if he could just stop making mistakes for five minutes, he's very good at coming up through the field, but not quite at staying there. So I think the the other Prima drivers will almost definitely have a hand to play in this title fight if it does end up being between Vessi and Helga. But how many... We've had such a big break in Formula 3. I'm not quite sure how many rounds we've had, but we've definitely got a lot more to come. Yeah, we've had three rounds. We're approaching the, the halfway point of the season of the of the seven rounds now. Um, I, do, I do think that there are plenty of other championship contenders still still in the mix. I wouldn't count out Smolier at all. He's certainly showed a lot of improvement and he thinks that he needs, if he nails qualifying, he's going to be uh, pretty much in the mix as well. I wouldn't count out... Um, I wouldn't count out Trident as well. Um, they've obviously been very strong at this level. And I think that um, prior to this weekend, especially Novelak was being brilliantly methodical in the same way how he took his, his British Formula 3 championship. And Doohan, I thought, was stunning at Paul Ricard. And obviously he has lots of potential as well. But things kind of unraveled for, for those guys this weekend. Um, one Trident driver who did not have things unravel for him was, was Schumacher, who took his took his first win yes it came from a reverse grid but Alejandro um the way how he controlled the race from the front was absolutely brilliant wasn't it yes yes he didn't make a single mistake so he just pulled away broke the DRS distance and yeah went from life life to flag to victory I think probably it was it's not the first time we see such a performance in a driver that usually runs in the in the midfield. I I think my personal opinion that it's not that difficult for those guys who get reverse grid pole or reverse with top starting position to stay there as they stay in the train and don't start losing positions they are actually able to to perform great so the the level of the field is so so close and if you can manage to put it all together in a race like Schumacher this did of course on Saturday afternoon they all can do a great job and that was Schumacher's case on in race two yeah, certainly. Um, we've seen a few instances this year of of drivers from from mid grid teams, um, perhaps starting on on reverse grid pole and not really converting it into into a huge map. But I think it's a little bit different with with Schumacher's case being with with trying a team that has been proven to be so strong. And Schumacher's shown a bit of bit of speed at times this year, but it just isn't quite strung together for him. Um, I do think we should probably talk about penalties because there were a lot of them. Um, I think there were 25 applied 
post or during the races in total across the three races this weekend, which is absolutely nuts. Um, we had 260 track violations, over 400 laps across the weekend deleted, and a whole bunch of weaving as well in qualifying that was investigated. Um, Bethany, thoughts? Uh, I think the FIA needs to invest in some curring box because clearly the drivers don't know how to stay between the lines. I'm not a racing driver. Um, I think feel like we we we've all established that fact. But it's it's like rule number one: you your lap doesn't count if you don't stay between the lines. And I think uh, one or two per driver, fair enough, especially in practice because you need to know where those limits are and everything. But after practice, when it, when it counts, you, you need to know that your lap can count and it's not going to count if you you got, you exceed track limits. And it, it did get a bit stupid this weekend where they've got had so many violations. Just just drive in between the lines. It was it was so silly. Uh, and. Well, we can say, oh, well, if everyone was doing it, we shouldn't get a penalty. And then that, that's just a daft way of thinking. If, if you don't, if you want a championship where you don't have to stay between the lines, then I feel like we need to make a new one because that's not what circuit racing is. And it, it was just, I, I can't explain it. These drivers, while they are still young, they've had loads of time in motorsport then they should know that you can't do this and then not expect your lap to be deleted and the real the real victims of all of all this are people who are trying to write race reports and trying to write session reports and you find out your driving side on pole has had their lap time deleted that we're, we're the real victims in all of this yeah yeah, pretty much. Um, it certainly was stressful in that regard. And uh, and certainly on Saturday night, it was very stressful as we waited for the, the final classification to come in. It didn't come through until gone midnight local time, um, which was quite incredible, really, as we waited for the, the outcome of, of Hauger's investigation in particular, um, for to, to name at least one, one instance. Um, but... Yeah, the the track limits thing. What really got me was that yes, there were a load of violations in qualifying. Okay, fair enough. The drivers obviously would have been able to see that. They did see that because there are a lot lot less in qualifying itself, and the session length is it was the same as practice. So obviously they they took a bit more care in qualifying. But in the races, they just kept doing it. And it wasn't just the first race. It was the second race and then the third race as well. It was just a consistent bombardment of track abuse. And there were some drivers who were given five-second penalties. There were some who were given 10-second penalties. There were some who were given 30-second penalties in, in lieu of a, of a drive-through or a 10-second stop-and-go. And none of them have got anything to complain about because they just kept consistently doing it and they were shown the black and white flag and they just completely ignored it. And it's something that, that Vesti brought up in the press conference on Saturday, I think it was in the, 
all the drivers who didn't get penalties were very happy that the drivers who did get penalties did get penalties because of, of their constant abuse of, of track limits. Um, and, and that's coming from, from Vesti, who had one of his qualifying times deleted himself. So um, I, I think he's got a very valid point there. However, that's not the thing that I'm most annoyed about in terms of investigating this weekend. The, the thing that really got me was the weaving um, during qualifying, which I think is highly dangerous. We've seen farcical qualifyings in, in Formula 3 in recent years at Monza. We didn't quite escalate to that this weekend. Um, but I thought that was incredibly dangerous. You can't have drivers weaving on the straight when they're bunched up like that when you've got some drivers possibly trying to start their final lap and so forth. I've hopefully got a column coming out on this soon. Um, but the, the thing that really gets me is that one of these days it is going to result in a, a very nasty and totally unnecessary accident. And the FIA needs to clamp down on these things, when, especially when they specifically tell the drivers, don't do it, which is what they, which is exactly the same case in Formula 1. Um, this weekend with with the, the penalties that weren't handed out to, to the drivers who were bunched up at the, the uh, in-betweens turn, turns 9 and 10. Yeah, three drivers would hold exactly the same, and they all did it, and none of them got a penalty for it, which was frankly ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. Um, there are, like I said, a number of other penalties. Uh, Awasa was disqualified for having a floppy camera, um, which was probably the most bizarre penalty of the lot, I think, this weekend. And we had penalties awarded for, for various collisions as well. Um, the one that I do want to bring up is the, the one between Leclerc and Martins. Um, Leclerc was given a three-place grid penalty for that. Um, Alejandro, can I get your your view on that? Because I've got, I've got my view on it. Um, the stewards obviously decided it was um, Leclerc's fault. So... Do you agree with that, or do you see it from a from a different way? To be honest, I'm still watching the incident and trying to find out who was at fault, because probably the space was too narrow to put the car there. But I don't know. Probably. The track at that point is turning a little bit to the, to the left, so Martin's just keeping his steering wheel straight was moving slightly to the right hand side of the of the circuit. So probably, I don't know. I would say it was a racing incident, mainly because those two factors. Probably there was not a real space there another real gap to go for it but also martins took advantage of the track design to to close the door without moving this steering wheel so yeah. it's, it's difficult to say for me i don't know i would say a racing incident because i will i would also need to hear the drivers um, what was the reason their reasoning at that point to to handle a penalty for one of them or not? Very yeah. very difficult to judge from, from my side. 
Yeah, um, Leclerc was obviously unavailable for comment as he was in in hospital at the time. Um, the, the stewards got Martin's view, of course, and they decided to to give Leclerc the penalty. Um, Bethany, how did how did you see that one play out? It all just happened so fast. Uh, uh, like what one minute I was like writing notes, and then the next Leclerc was facing the wrong way around. It was kind of like when I play on simulator but it was um i i probably air um kind of what alejandro said really like it, it seemed to be on the line between a racing incident and a um and a penalty for leclerc and with the stewards having more information they were probably right but it it is you could see leclerc uh, afterwards was devastated and I, I think obviously I, I'm not inside his head but it looked like he thought that was probably his fault so I, I, I think it was it was definitely wasn't um, the other driver who was in the gravel trap with him's fault that was for sure but it, it, it just looked it looked like he was devastated, but I think it was probably the right decision. And Leclerc had lots of um, practice of coming up through through the field, so um, it probably won't be a huge issue for him at the next round when he has to take that. The Hungaro ring, which is traditionally not an easy circuit to overtake on, but I mean, we saw plenty of overtaking from from Leclerc at Barcelona, um, which is a, a, another circuit where it's very difficult to to overtake. Um, but yeah, poor old Clement Novelak, um, his second crash in in three days at Turn Four, and in in that one he was totally not a fault for for, for sure. Um, I had my first sort of proper time chatting with him on on Thursday and he seems like a um a very nice well-rounded kid it's brilliantly consistent as well when it comes to to stringing a, a championship together um as we saw in his British F3 days and we're seeing that well we were seeing that this season as well up until um this weekend but yeah I I, I do there are a lot of um instances this weekend across uh, the Formula One and the Formula Three where I thought was that really that person's fault? And did they certainly deserve a five-second penalty and two penalty points for that? Um, uh, let's not dwell on 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 that as such. But um, yeah, I, I do think that Leclerc probably has to take the blame for that one because Martin's um, it wasn't so much of a chop; it was more of a like a a fade, but kind of not because of the way that the track is designed, as as Alejandro pointed out, um, and the gap just closed and Leclerc had to back out and he decided to not back out and just totally ruined all of their, all of their, um, all of their races. But yeah, go ahead, Alejandro. Yes. About that happening. Probably. I, I do even think that if it wasn't for Leclerc taking out Novalak, I think they would have, deemed it as a racing incident, a race incident. I think that was pretty much the the thing for for the penalty because they collected Novalak. Otherwise, I think as we have also seen that in the past that they take into account 
the consequences and not really the actions, which is what I think that should be penalized. But yeah, that's something also to take into account that there was another driver in front that was actually already making the corner and was taken out of contagion of contention. Yeah, that's a very good point and not really something that I've really thought of before. Um, and yeah, that, that is perhaps why it was a free place grid penalty, whereas um, sort of you take that incident in isolation, then you could very much make an argument for it certainly being a racing incident. But yeah, I think that um, that rounds up this, uh, this Formula 3 weekend quite nicely. Um, Helga's got a, a nice healthy lead in the championship now, but as we say, it's, it's a long way to go. And Investi in particular was uh, bigging up ART's chances going forward. And ART, if I remember rightly, were absolutely brilliant at the Hungaro ring last year. So um, this championship is far from done yet. Let's move on to W Series, um, which returned with a with a double header um, at Austria, and well on the on the F one bill. Um, it's first time on on the F one bill, and it was certainly interesting to see how how those weekends played out. I think with 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 W Series and and how they operate, and obviously have the the, the cars that are on rotation. I, I think the, the driver said that it's more the rears of the cars this year that are on rotation rather than the, the whole cars. Um, I think we're seeing a bigger discrepancy between the cars this year, and that's perhaps being reflected in the, in the results, which is possibly why we had two wildly different pecking orders from, from week one to week two, despite being on the same circuit. Um, Alice Powell, uh, former GP free runner, uh, she absolutely crushed the opposition in the first weekend, um, taking the first total grand slam of topping practice, qualifying the race, leading every lap, getting fastest lap, all of that sort of good stuff. Um, leading home Sarah Moore, um, the first LGBTQ plus person to stand on a Formula One, po well, stand on the podium during a Formula One weekend, um, and Fabian Volvend. Um, well, Jamie Chadwick had issues in qualifying and then was hit by, by Jess Hawkins early on in the race and recovered from a late safety car to finish in sixth. Um, the second race and Chadwick was back on the, the, the scintillating form that we became accustomed to in 2019. Um, while Irina Sidokova took her first podium at the age of 18, head of Emma Kimmelainen, the oldest driver in the field, um, with those two sharing a, a, a mother and daughter bond. Uh, Bikeska Vissa, last year's champion, well, 2019's championship contender, stalled meanwhile and sits on no points after being hit by Kimmelainen in the first race. So I'm going to come to Bethany first. Um, just your general thoughts on, on W Series return. Um, we've obviously had a feature go out last week um, about my my thoughts on, on it, but um, it'd be good to get uh, someone else's view. Yeah, but it's it's good. I, I like W Series. I didn't watch it as closely as Formula 3. I didn't watch it at all in its first season. So I can't really compare it to that. Um, nothing, nothing against W Series. I was just very busy that year. But it, it looks good. It looks competitive. There are a lot of drivers who um, 
I I personally had never heard of or hadn't heard of for a while that are racing in the championship. A lot of Ginetta Junior graduates, which is always very important. Um, and it, it looked it was some good racing that 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 weekend. I only caught half of the first race because there was a lot of motorsport on the last weekend. But the the but the both of the races, from what I saw, it looked it didn't look boring, which I think is the main thing that I look for in junior series these days. It was it was good racing, and there were incidents, but I think I don't think it was it wasn't Formula Three levels of stupid incidents, which is which is also very good. Yeah, certainly, and uh, you. You bring up the racing, yeah, they have some good racing. They do it in the Formula Regional car as well, which is uh, which we've traditionally slammed on this podcast before for not having good racing, um, and we do kind of continue to, to slam it for for not really having good racing. Um, but Alejandro, I want to get your thoughts on on W Series as well, um, in, in particular, sort of the the, the the racing itself and the the new color schemes we've got this year on top of that. Well, if I give my honest thoughts about W Series, I would probably be banned from W Series paddock. But that, that's something else. That's something that has to do with, I mean, probably my general view of motorsport. But yeah, as you pointed out first, the thing that they rotate the cars that's not for me, definitely, because we cannot see what's the real potential of the of the drivers. I mean, I cannot believe that round one, Alice Powell was dominating and just could, came, could come eight in the second round. And the same for Jamie Chawit, which pretty much dominated the first season and started the week the the championship in sixth struggling with the car and also not so high in qualifying and now dominated round two i don't know that kind of things make me have a pretty bad opinion of the championship it's the organization that i don't like i of course think it's the best to have drivers fully funded from the from the organization but apart from that the rest also the fact that they don't really have teams okay now they are introducing teams somehow but this year they are still operating under the the same the same prepper the the people who prepare the cars are the same so we will see how it develops in the future but yeah i think of course splitting the grid into teams is the right thing to do if they are going forward as a, a championship but yeah still lots of question marks in my opinion to to be answered yeah, I did get a chance to ask um, some of the drivers, well, well, the top three specifically, why the the pecking order changed so so drastically, and it, it did seem to be 
a case of we're not really sure and um, possibly something to do with the, the cars being changed around, which is why I do think that that, that might be behind the, there might be a huge discrepancy be, between the, the individual cars this year, which would be um, not good, I don't think. Um, something else I don't think would be good for the championship this year would be uh, a year of Jamie Chadwick domination. Um, obviously, I think Jamie's a, a totally fine racing driver, but after her dismal year um, in in regional last year, I don't think it will look too good on the championship if, if she comes along and and, and walks away with it, um, or if she walks away with it more so than than she did in in the first year. What we really need to see this year is for for the younger drivers and for some of the drivers who were out for a few years um, to come back really strong. And after the first race, uh, I thought that we were getting there. I thought, oh yeah, this is brilliant. Um, you know, you got you got likes of Alice Powell and and Sarah Moore, who you know they're established junior champions in their own right. And they're really starting to to show it's like what they're able to do um, after a year of being back properly in in the swing of things. And you had like some Belen Garcia, um, who I thought was brilliant in the first weekend. You know, really um, really impressing as well. And and Sidakova, who like showed absolutely no fear to ever, anyone, which I thought was fantastic. Um, but the the second weekend, when when I saw Chadwick um, just have that extra edge on on the rest of the field um that, that certainly doesn't bode too well going forward um because if chadwick dominates this year then that will put a huge question mark over the the overall quality of the field um on the basis of a, a very difficult uh, formula regional championship last year um, um yeah go ahead wait, um like you said, it, it, though, if Chadwick is doing very well in these, at least in these early stages, while it's not a fantastic, she did race the car last year, which most of the field didn't do. I don't think any of the field di did. So you can kind of, um, I'd say I wouldn't write off the rest of the field just yet because obviously they might be still getting used to that car, especially the newcomers, compared to Chadwick, who's been racing in it two, two years now, even if Formula Regional did not go well at all for, for anybody involved, to be honest. Formula Regional was just not great. But but I, I'm hopeful at least that we'll, we'll see some other drivers up there and challenging at the very least once... Once things have settled down a little bit, yeah, very. It's a very, very valid point. Uh, yeah, a couple of drivers have done sort of a little bit of driving around in this car here and there, um, a couple of test days. Um, and Belen Garcia has obviously been racing in in Freck this year as well, um, albeit with very little preparation. So some of the drivers have got a little bit of experience coming into the season in, in this particular car and other drivers have obviously been racing around in, in all sorts of other weird and wacky things, including Chadwick herself in, in extreme E of all, of all places. And some of them done sports cars and, and, and so forth. So yeah, the, I, I do get the point, but I, I still think it, especially to, to those who just look at the results and don't, necessarily look at the context it's not going to look too good on the championship if if Chadwick walks away with it this year um going forward but yeah we'll, we'll see how things pan out I think it's a little bit too 
too early to tell and i think silverstone's probably going to give a, a a good indicator as to as to where things are and, and whether the there, there, we are talking of a, a big discrepancy between the the cars which uh, given how close the field actually is in terms of sort of like the actual pace um would be would actually look quite quite good on on the field as a whole um with how how tight it, it was especially in the first race i haven't looked at looked through the data um for the the second round but i, I think it was a very similar sort of gap especially in qualifying so it's obviously a very tight field in in that regard but it it does seem like they need to get the the, the cars are more equal um which essentially is what they were trying to do in the first place but they don't seem to have achieved it um very well um perhaps we, it probably would be more equal if they did have like the highest you know the high quality teams that we've got in in plenty of other um junior single seater championships and and, uh, and so forth uh, i do think that you know the the, the gaps between the likes of Premier and ART and 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 so forth in in these various championships. I can't think of any other um, like properly outstanding Freck team, but um, you know the gap between those are um, a tenth or two rather than six or seven tenths. So uh, yeah, uh, we'll we'll see how things pan out. I think in that regard, I think we should move on to to the road to Indy. Um, uh, Bethany, obviously, this is not particularly your your forte, but um, Alejandro, you you got yourself very much deep in in the mix with that this weekend. Um, you had your first uh, first proper go at covering race reports for for Formula Scout, so you took on USF two thousand this weekend, a very difficult championship to to do reports for. So, just generally, how did you find it your your first uh, your first time writing these things in anger? I think I managed it okay. I mean, races, especially race one and race two of the USF 2000 weren't that complicated. They were quite sort of calm races, just with a few overtakes here and there, but no massive changes in the order. So it was good. I enjoyed the experience, learned a lot also, but especially from race one to race three, we I was able to make a big step forward in terms of organizing how to take notes down and all that kind of stuff, writing it all quickly. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I'll give me. I would give me a, a pass in the, <laughs> in the job if I'm allowed to, because well, I I managed to complete the 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 work, so that was. Uh, already a win for me yeah yeah certainly and i i do think like the the likes of the the road to india are brilliant places to to learn how to how to do race reports because um especially with usf 2000 because there are a lot of cars in that field um i believe that was their biggest field in many many years um this weekend at mid ohio um and yeah i can i can see why the reports might have been a little bit straightforward this weekend um, in comparison to, to Road America um, a couple of weekends ago, which um, I, I took up on myself to, to, to take control of. So that was a, a bit more hectic. Um, but Mid Ohio is a much uh, twistier course. So, uh, yeah. So, who really stood out for you um, during that weekend? So, your, your first 
your first time really looking looking in on this championship. I want to see whether whether your thoughts sort of like align with with what I've um, sort of noted down um, as to my standout stars of the season so far. I don't know. I don't know. I would need to watch more. I mean, as we said already, it was all pretty much based on what we have in qualifying. So I don't really know. I mean, it seems from the outside that top two in the championship are so, so strong. But I don't know. I expected more probably from those in third and fourth in the standings and also fifth who were pretty much nowhere this weekend so we'll see we'll see i i will keep watching it because it was actually the very very first time i i watched a usf 2000 race so i was really trying to get up to speed so quickly with drivers who was driving each car it was really complicated actually to spot what was happening to me so yeah Probably I can give you a more detailed answer after the the next round. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, like I said, it's very, very difficult to 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 keep tabs of who's driving for, for for which team and 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 so forth, and so many driver changes as well, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, generally, sort of across the season, um, Kiko Porto and and Michael Di Orlando, they've really sort of picked up momentum in that championship um, going forward. Uh, we, some of the, the drives from, from earlier in the year, Yuvin Sindura movie, uh, Josh Pearson and Christian Brooks, um, they, they're all sort of in touch, but they're lacking the consistency from, from the recent rounds to, to really kick their, their title push going forward into the final, um, into the final few rounds. Um, so the, the title bat between those two, uh, Porto and D Orlando are going to be, is going to be brilliant. Um, we'll probably end up interviewing at least one of them uh, at some point um, post-season as well as we have done in recent years. Um, let's talk about Indy Pro 2000 as well, um, which was also in action at Mid-Ohio this weekend. And, uh, and that's starting to go the way of the reigning USF 2000 champion, uh, Christian Rasmussen, who has taken six wins out of the last nine races. Um, he's really picking up some strong form um, this year, uh, but he is not totally running away with it because uh, Braden Ease is very much in contention, but he's lacking the podium finishes from from recent races. Uh, Reese Gold, Artem Petrov, and Hunter McElroy are all sort of thereabouts, but they've only had three race wins between them this season as well. Um, we should talk about Indy Lights as well, which is back this year after its. Uh, 2020 hiatus and uh, at the moment that's going the way of uh, Carl Kirkwood the most successful driver ever on the road to Indy at this point with uh, a huge number of wins overtaking Spencer Pickett's uh, long-standing record in many fewer races uh, uh, and, and in doing so Kirkwood is doing exactly what he did in in USF 2000 and in Indy Pro 2000 in just absolutely getting wins under his belt as soon as he starts to hit a run he just looks unstoppable and at this point it does seem like he's on the way to take another championship it would be his his fifth in three years if you discount 2020 due to covid 
Um, but David Marukas is very much keeping in touch. Um, the HMD motorsports driver is, is very much in the mix. That team looks very, very strong this year. Um, while the, the global racing group with HMD uh, banner, uh, Ron Linus Lundquist, uh, his momentum stalled and he had a miserable weekend at Mid-Ohio with, um, I think it was three crashes in the space of um, only a few hours um, on qualifying day, which uh, has very much stalled any momentum that he had going. So that's sort of bring you up to date on, on the road to Indy. Like I said, we'll have probably the the champion hopefully the champions come on for for chats um as was the case last year there's some some brilliant brilliant chats with um with uh, with Rasmussen and Stingray Rob um the the champions from from that year and we've we've had uh, the previous champions on and the the road to Indy I think is brilliant in in getting drivers all the way to IndyCar so that's generally bringing you all up to speed um with with things that have been going on um, around the the junior single seater racing world at the moment, um, but going forward, we've got plenty coming up in in recent weeks and uh, in, in the coming weeks. We've got F two and W series at Silverstone, not this weekend, but next weekend, and and this weekend we've got Euro Formula Open in action. We've got plenty of Formula Four championships in action. We've got Formula Ford in action as well anglesey i believe it is um i'm off to donnington to watch british formula 3 um which will be which will be good fun um i do need to pack my umbrella though by the sounds of it um and we've got plenty of other things going on plenty of features up and down the website i've got my five things from the red ball ring for you all to read and hopefully got a feature another feature coming out where i ramble on about penalties and weaving and boring stuff like that um but yes, we've got plenty, uh, and we've got plenty of news stories as well. We, we're very much on the ball with the, the penalties, and I've got all the the reaction from the drivers from the weekend. On top of that, so that I think draws this week's podcast to a close. And I should probably get another another cup of tea once we've finished, um, as my mouth is starting to get very dry. So we will call it there. Um, I guess we'll be back soon with a with another Formula Scout podcast. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening.